0: Welcome to Gin Inspired brought to you by the ginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Gin Inspired, Heather E. Wilson.
1: Hello and welcome to Gin Inspired where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper-laced spirit called gin. And on today's episode, I welcome Ross Alger, founder of Confluence Distilling and past president of the Alberta Craft Distillers Association. Today, we're going to chat about how he came to own a distillery, all about the products, some gin-trusting facts about the Alberta Craft Distillers Association, and of course, a fun incident or two. Welcome, Ross.
0: Thanks for having me, Heather. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. But first, as with all episodes, let's start by sharing what we are drinking today. And Ross, you get to go first because you're my guest. What are you drinking
0: today? Well, I am drinking a Negroni. And the Negroni is special because it is made with Confluence's pink gin. Our pink gin is a grapefruit citrus forward gin. It also has ginger, chamomile, and Thai chilies. And so this gin was kind of originally designed to be a gin for Negronis. And so having a higher citrus focus really kind of brings it out along with like the strong bitter orange flavors of the Campari. And then the Thai chili is meant to kind of bring a little bit of extra excitement because the Campari and the vermouth are such strong flavors. So that's kind of what I've gone with.
1: Wow. That's super yummy. And I'm having basically a riff off of that Mm -hmm. because i'm having a negroni spritz which is made with your confluence pink gin sweet vermouth campari but it also has orange juice and a splash of soda water which lightens it up a little bit for those who might want to you know sip a little bit longer or you know maybe not have it quite so strong so it's Lovely. And of course, garnished with a slice of orange. Yeah, super yummy. And people can find the recipe right on your website, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, confluencedistilling.ca. We care a lot about making the cocktail experience accessible. So we have a recipe blog with a number of recipes for all of our products. And then on our Instagram, we put usually a recipe a week on there so that there's as many opportunities for people to figure out how to use gin and all of our other creations in cocktails.
1: Yeah. And I'll also be posting all those links in the show notes for everyone who is listening. Okay. So let's talk about you first before we get to the distillery. So did you always love gin? Did you grow up with it? You know, like were you born drinking gin kind of thing or did you come to it late in
0: life? (laughs) No, I mean, I never kind of found gin anything specifically, but kind of when I started making spirits, it really was the one that gave me the most degree because you can make whiskey and it's just kind of like it all kind of more or less tastes the same. Whereas gin, you have this like million different options to make gin flavor in so many different ways. So I really think that like gin is super creative and that's kind of where it really drew me in as a distiller and less so as a, wasn't my history of consuming gin, but it was kind of my excitement to try and test new things and see what we could make for flavors. So like our pink gin being very like tropical in flavor is very unique. And then our Manchester gin is a very different take with cucumber and Saskatoon berries using local ingredients. And then we have our mint gin that is like completely way off that base and completely different. And so I look at it as like, gin you get to paint with all the colors whereas if you're making like whiskey or vodka you get to paint with one color and try and make a painting and it's not as interesting so that's where my love of gin comes from
1: awesome so when did you decide to make a distillery like tell us the story of the confluence distilling how did it come to be and where's the name from by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah fair enough So I started distilling as a hobby out of university. I was basically an alcoholic with an engineering problem kind of thing. (laughs) So me and a friend made a still out of a piece of copper pipe and a pressure cooker that we modified. And me thinking that I'm smarter than all my friends, they're all making homebrew beer. And I was like, wow, I can make something way better than this. I'll make you a bunch of vodka. Turns out I did not know how to make a lot of that stuff. I was not as smart as my friends. And... It took me a while to finally figure it out, but yeah, started making a bunch of products in my buddy's parents' backyard and then kind of kept doing it. And then the laws changed in Alberta to allow craft distilling in 2014. And I kind of thought that that was a cool opportunity, put it in the back of my mind for a few years. And then by 2016, 2017, Nobody had really opened distilleries in Calgary. There were three kind of in our greater Calgary area. And I said, why isn't anybody doing this? There's like 60 breweries and there's three distilleries. This is insane. So I kind of started putting that idea together. I quit my oil and gas job as I was under the impression oil and gas was kind of petering away and then took some courses in craft distilling. Yeah. And then the rest is history. Yeah. And then so confluence means the meeting of two rivers. And Calgary, Alberta is located at the confluence of the Bow and the Elbow Rivers. And so I wanted to kind of have confluence be a representation of Calgary and to hopefully be kind of a cultural hub and maybe a medium for us to kind of help drive the culture and community within Calgary. My grandfather was the mayor of Calgary in the late 70s, also named Ross Alger. And so I thought it was kind of an homage to him and a hope to continue his work to make Calgary better, but in a completely different way, a much more fun way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool
1: okay so you've mentioned a few of your gin products but maybe we could dive a little bit deeper into some of them now we've already talked about your pink gin but let's talk about some of your other gins and what makes them unique and special
0: i don't know how many gins we have we have too many we're even yeah. working on a on no a, such like, thing <laughs> we're working on a genever or Genever, however you want to pronounce it right now as well but our two main mainstays are our pink gin and our Manchester gin. The Manchester is a little bit of a hybrid of a London dry and a contemporary gin. So it's mildly juniper-centric, but we also have cucumber, Saskatoon berries, rose petal, and lemon would be the citrus base. So kind of a little funky, a little bit like a Hendrix or an old Val's, but not quite as intense and like cucumber as those ones. A little bit more straight. Uh And then we also, trying to think of other good ones that we have. (laughs) We do a collaboration with an art gallery called the Esker Foundation. And so we did a absinthe inspired gin with them. Uh, That's probably one of my favorites, but it's like a really small seller for us. But it's kind of lemon peel, sage, oregano. We have like wormwood in there and just kind of these really funky botanicals, but it's really, really nice and light and kind of, lightly lemony. And that one is like incredible, in you know, a Vesper or a white Negroni. Mm. And they're just like exceptional. So, I mean, I kind of think that a lot of our products are kind of centered around its function. Maybe that's the engineer in me, but like we want to kind of pick an application, a way to consume it, and then tailor the flavors around that so that we're kind of making the best experience someone can have. Just focused on the experience that the customer is going to have. So maybe a little more holistic of approach of designing our products.
1: Right. And do you sell other products besides gin?
0: Yeah. The big one that I was waffling to send to you or not was our Aquavit. So we have a product called Vinland Aquavit. Vinland is the word that the Vikings called Canada when they came before the settlers. And Aquavit is a Scandinavian spirit. It's made very similar to the way gin is made. But instead of having juniper as the kind of primary botanical they use caraway as a primary mm-hmm. botanical. So our aquavit is, I think, our pride and joy in the distillery. We win best aquavit in Canada in the Canadian Artisanal Spirit Competition every year. It's kind of a very, very unique. So caraway, dill, and fennel seed are the primary botanicals, and we have 21 other botanicals. Mm-hmm. They make it a really, really complex spirit, whereas kind of a lot of the conventional aquavits are a little bit more simple, and some can be very hard to drink, but most people would recognize Brennevin as being like a fairly good... Medium priced alternative, Lene being another, and then sharing him as a, another uh, Canadian made Aquavit that's very good as well. So
1: awesome. F- cool. <laughs> and what do you love best?
0: What do I love about best? Being a
1: distiller. Yeah. What oh, do you okay. Love
0: best? <laughs> probably collaborating is probably the best thing about being a distiller. Confluence, again, we try and do like a lot of like community and culture projects. And we are in what's called the Barley Belt in Calgary, and it's kind of this grouping of breweries mostly. And then there's a few distilleries and cideries as well. But that opportunity of having this like little epicenter in Calgary where we have all these other collaborators allows us to work together all the time. And so I think in COVID, the original COVID, when we were trying to make hand sanitizer, was like a really big opportunity for that. And so we were buying like wash from breweries. They were making wash and beer. And then we were distilling it into hand sanitizer. And that kind of allowed us to like realize how easily we could work together. And we've since kind of anytime a brewery makes a bad beer and they go, oh, this tastes bad or it didn't ferment right or whatever. They call me up and they say, hey, we've got 3000 liters of beer. What can you do with it? And so then we start making really weird, funky stuff. So... <laughs> <laughs> the last couple batches, we've taken like bad beer and we have distilled it into a whiskey. We've aged it for one or two years and then we turn it into a premixed cocktail. So we have a black Manhattan cocktail being released next month. And then last year we did an old fashioned with one of our neighbor's cabin, who's a really famous brewery. And then right now our neighbor is based on a stout that one of our friends didn't ferment properly. And then we're going to make a limoncello out of a IPA that went really funky. So we got like all these really weird projects and they kind of all come out of these kind of one-off conversations that we have with breweries. So that's probably the best bit.
1: (laughs) That sounds amazing. And goes to show, you know, the pandemic has had some positive outcomes and collaboration is another way that you're having a confluence. (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah,
0: or confluence of ideas. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's totally it. And so we have a lot of fun with that. And we're kind of recycling product that would be waste. So we're trying to use it's kind of a little bit of a sustainability Uh endeavor as well. So
1: yeah, amazing. Um, Okay. Okay. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the Alberta Craft Distillers Association. That's a mouthful. (laughs) And so as a past president and a recent past president, what kind of things does an association
0: do to support distillers in Alberta? Good question. Obviously, bringing people together is our kind of most obvious things. So we do like, even and telling people about what's happening in the industry. So I'm doing like a a monthly newsletter so that we're connecting people, letting them know about changes to regulation, events in the province. We host biannual events throughout the province so people can come out and get to know each other and chat because a lot of distillers work really, really hard and the hours are long. And so you never really get out and have the opportunity to kind of talk to your peers. And we're all Fairly far away from each other in Alberta. Nice. So going and chatting with a guy in Edmonton is usually a pretty hard activity or the guy in Fort McMurray or wherever it is. So you kind of get in your little echo chamber. So we're trying to like connect people a lot more so that people understand each other's problems and can help each other and work together. And then the other major part of our association is to lobby the government to f- make favorable alcohol laws in the province. Right now, a lot of the laws are... Some of them are against small distillers. Some of them are for them, but we have kind of an uphill battle. We're fighting against multinational corporations for market share. And so we have to work together and lobby the government to try and get more favorable conditions where we don't have the budgets or the resources to sell our products to big companies or to restaurants or wherever. And so we lobby the government for alternative access to funds or grants or whatever it ends up being. We're Maybe even just changes to legislation to allow us to distribute more easily or have warehousing or stuff like that. So there's lots of little bits of red tape here and there that are really stringent for small distillers who don't have quite that access to resource. And so we try and help out where we can.
1: Well, sounds like it's super valuable. And, you know, you got to band together.
0: We're trying as much as we can. We have like, it's frustrating sometimes where like the crap brewers in Alberta, there's like 150 or something breweries in Alberta and there's only 40 distilleries in Alberta. And so they end up getting a lot more favorable conditions than us. Like a comparable brewery to myself would pay a third of the provincial tax. And so things like that make it harder and slower for a distillery to open and operate and grow. And so We're always trying to push those boundaries and maybe make favorable change for these small industries that distilling is another industry that has a lot of export potential. Whereas like a brewery can service their local market really easily, but expanding to a brewery that is selling overseas or something like that is generally pretty hard. Whereas a distillery selling overseas to another country where else, like the States is super easy and usually a pretty expected outcome for a distillery. And so that's really high value for the GDP of Canada and for governments really want more exported products. So we have like a really favorable business for our government, but we just have to kind of remind them that we are important, that we can grow and become this great industry.
1: Right. And like right now you can't even hardly sell out of Calgary, right? Except for you have to physically like jump in a truck and drive it to Edmonton or whatever. Like you have rules around that, right? Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's perfectly right. In Alberta, we have a thing called Liquor Connect, which is a single warehouse distribution system across the province. And it's intended to give rural occupants or customers equal access to alcohol. So if the manufacturer is in Calgary or Edmonton, all liquor goes through this Liquor Connect single distribution warehouse system. And so the cost to get alcohol delivered anywhere in the province is the exact same price. And it's this awesome system that the government put in years ago, but They've now set up the tax rate for small distillers so that we basically can't use that system. To receive a favorable tax rate, we have to self-distribute, which means we have to drive all of our products to each single store if we want to service them which makes our distribution costs very, very significant, which makes it so that like as a Calgarian, I'm very unlikely to go to Edmonton and sell my products at Edmonton. And I have zero chance of selling it outside of Edmonton or anywhere north of Edmonton, or even to our smaller markets, like a Red Deer or a Medicine Hat, which are hundreds of thousands of people, but they're just, it's not enough to support us to drive a van full of product to somewhere like that. Which just really unfortunate that it's kind of like the small guys can't service the rural community in the same way that a large company can.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully the association will, with all your lobbying and all your hard work, eventually that will, and the government waking up and consumers demanding, you know, hopefully things will change and not too far in the future. Like we don't want to wait 10 years. We will, you know. like.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. As much as this is boring, I'm sure for everybody. We also are lobbying on the on the behalf of changing the fire code. And changes in the fire code usually take like a decade to come through. So uh, we're fighting a very uphill battle. We may see a light at the tunnel in like 2032 or something.
1: Oh, gosh. Oh, that's terrible. And personally, I don't think it's boring. Maybe I'm just weird. But (laughs) I think it's fascinating because I think most people, the average consumer, the average ginger lover, drinker, has no idea what a distiller goes through. And why things are priced the way they're priced. It's not, you know, <laughs> toes the consumer. It's because there are very real costs involved in creating the product. And in most cases, your margins are pretty tight, yeah. right? And, you know, that there are laws that basically handcuff you depending on where the distillery is, of course, there are different laws. I mean, if you're in London, England, it's very different than anywhere in Canada, right? (laughs) We have very different laws. And one of the big ones in Canada is the fire code and that craft distillers have been basically designated as bombs,
0: which is (laughs)
1: ridiculous.
0: It's tough for us. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of people that it's an it, uphill battle. <laughs>
1: it is. But I do think it's a valuable conversation to have.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, obviously, supporting the Craft Distillers Association or just even going in and showing your support to a distillery in your local areas like, awesome. Yeah. And then talking to your MLA or whomever your local government official is and just saying, how is it we can support it and we're in favor of this? always goes a long way. We have a Canadian Craft Distilling Association formed, what was it, three weeks ago, and they're fighting to reduce the excise tax. We pay seven times more excise tax than the equivalent distillery in the United States. The United States recently changed their tax to reduce it on excise, and there's been an explosion in distilleries and growth in distilleries in the States since then. And so we are hoping to see a similar change and so there's I think it's I don't know the link unfortunately but there is a I think it's kind of like stop the escalator tax something along those lines. Maybe I can send you the link after yeah, this absolutely. So put it in we, the show notes. Yeah. But we usually have a petition going in September. And so if you can support that through like Facebook or sign the petition or anything like that, it goes a long way to help our distilleries grow and become profitable and hopefully become impressive globally renowned products.
1: Absolutely. Okay. I'll definitely put those in the show notes. for sure. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Not that that wasn't fun. That was totally fun, but <laughs> for me anyway. So what's next now that we're in sort of, I don't even know if we really are, but kind of coming out of a pandemic. I don't know if we are, or mm-hmm. we aren't, but things are opening yeah. again. So anything, you know, your tasting room back open, you know, any kind of really fun things coming up in the near future.
0: So many good things happening in the future. I'm very excited about the spring and summer. We got, I mean, Confluence also does a lot of canned products. We sell canned RTDs, RTDs ready to drink. So like cocktails in a can. We're playing a release every two weeks for the next two months. Whoa. Uh, so we're having a new cocktail every couple of weeks for people to try. And I think that's going to be really exciting and interesting. So our first one is like, a bramble cocktail. And then the next one we have is a rum ginger cocktail. And we're doing that with a collaboration with another distillery, which is really awesome. That stuff's really great. Confluence is sponsoring the Calgary Underground Film Festival in April 22nd, I believe it is. And so that's an awesome little cultural event in Calgary and they bring in international incredible films. And so we're going to be supporting that at one of the local movie theaters and running the bar and having a bunch of cool shit there. So very excited.
1: Wow, that does sound exciting. Man, I wish I was there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I warned you about this, and it yep. is now time. So let's talk about your ginsidence story. What do you got?
0: Nothing too exhilarating, I don't think. I was just going to talk about kind of like our first week of opening up in our distillery. We opened up in December 2018, and when we opened, we basically like created our first gin about a week before we opened and producing our first vodka two weeks before we opened. And it was kind of a full scramble and terribly difficult and quickly put together. Thankfully we've kind of figured our stuff out now, but on doing that, we're like bottling our first batch of bottles and kind of one of every five or one of every 10, just the bottom of the glass bottle just shattered and poured all over the floor. And so we're just sitting there, And we're filling a bottle and then it just smashes all over and you're like covering yourself in gin and glass, which is very dangerous and scary. (laughs) And so basically we couldn't release our products for the first like two months of operating. And we would like only kind of sell everything out of the bar and just make sure the glass was like hundred percent before we would use it at the bar. And we would like, shake all of our bottles, tap them on stuff to make sure they wouldn't break at the bar. And then we had to get like an emergency batch of glass sent to us because the glass was defective. And a lot of terrifying moments when you're launching your business for the first time and then all of the product you're trying to sell is defective.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. So the glass was actually defective and they replaced yeah. it, I'm assuming, I would hope.
0: They did replace it, thankfully. I did have to pay for it up front, and then they compensated me afterwards. But it was a very scary endeavor to get a pallet of glass just completely.
1: uh, Wow. So I've actually heard this from other distilleries before that their first batch of glass has been defective.
0: I don't know how it's always just the first batch.
1: It makes no sense (laughs) to me.
0: I've never had the issue since. We've gone through thousands and thousands of bottles and nothing. And it was just always that first one. It's crazy.
1: And there you have it, everything you ever wanted to know about Ross and Confluence Distilling and their really cool products, all about the Alberta Craft Distillers Association and some really interesting lobbying work that they're doing and how you can help and, you know, just so much more. So thank you so much, Ross, for being here today.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
1: And thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a review and check out the show notes for links to confluence distilling and the ginshop.ca for all your gin, clothing, and novelty needs. Until next time, remember, if gin can't fix it, you have a serious problem.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Gin Inspired, brought to you by the ginshop.ca. If we've gin inspired you, let us know by leaving us a comment and a review or drop us a note at heather at the ginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin.